This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out bluewirepods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Got to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. edition of the forever mighty what do we call it not post game show anymore not a podcast right now because it's, it's a podcast no still a podcast <laughs> it's still a podcast well, welcome everybody it's been a bit a bit it's been a while since we've had a show so pat and eddie on the mics today ed um how's life in a cave yeah it's uh, it's getting smaller every day <laughs> everything everything keeps getting canceled in terms of what we can and can't do uh, a lot of a lot of borderlands three that's that's basically what we've been doing the last yeah. uh, couple of weeks staying at home and not going out too often just just going out to get food and whatnot but now not even the stores are getting crazy it's lines to get in and you gotta you gotta wait in line and a certain amount of people into the store so i try try not to go too many places right now any uh, any movie or TV show recommendations for people to get caught up on that you've been watching? What have you been watching? Oh man, I've been watching lots. Uh, I I rewatched Westworld to get prepped for season three, but then I trying to find a reliable way to watch it was tough. Uh, got caught up in The Walking Dead, uh, and then I'm watching Ozark season three. That's what I'm watching right now because that just that just came out. Thank thank God that just came out Friday. I think so. <laughs> Have you seen any of the new comedy specials, Burt Kreischer or Tom Segura's? No, I ha- I want to, but uh, Jaden's not a big, big stand-up comedy person, so I gotta find that extra time to watch them. But I got, I, they're on my list. Like my list on Netflix is is long because ninety percent of my day is kid shows on Netflix until <laughs> Addison goes to bed, and then I then then the other shows can start to come on. It's yeah. Those, that's what I've been watching. And what else have we been watching? We've been watching a show called uh, called Chef on Netflix with uh, John Favreau. I don't know if you've seen. Oh, that. like based off the movie. Yeah, so it's like, but it's like him meeting with other chefs, and he, he goes along with this other guy named Roy, who's a chef. Um, and then they meet other people and cook food and show you the recipes and all that. It's just really interesting if you like those types of shows, and it's always fun to have Favreau on there as an amateur, and people give him a hard time. And I don't know, it's it's a fun show if you like the cooking shows and things like that. It, it's kind of a it's just different view rather than it being like Bobby Flay or Emerald or whoever else has a cooking show. I don't know, but but that one we've been watching, and then um, 
What movies have you seen? I think we're supposed to watch The Gentleman this week. It's supposed to be pretty good. So I'm going to watch that. Yeah, I, I have that too. I wanted to watch that. Jaden wasn't feeling that, but I, I'm going to convince her to watch that one because it looks good. Gotta watch good everybody's, watching, uh, everybody's watching that Tiger King documentary. Oh, that's on my list yet. too. Definitely on my list too. I mean, it doesn't look like great but i i mean everybody's watching and, and I'm, I'm hearing good things about it so i'm i'm, I'm gonna get to it eventually it's probably gonna be later on in the, in april but i'm gonna get to it and here's what else i've been up to moving <laughs> <laughs> one and of the reasons why else. the podcast was an hour delayed today trying to find headphones in the moving boxes uh, yeah 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 trying to figure out where i put the damn headphones whatever box they were in wherever they were at so i had to figure out where that crap was but all got set up. Everything's ready to go, man. Um, you know what's not ready to go is the NHL season anytime soon. You know, the league yeah. was very optimistic. Very optimistic. They're, the they're still overly optimistic. Like I know Darren Dreger announced today that self-isolation has been pushed back to April 15th. Like I can see that getting pushed back two or three more times. And then obviously you had brought it to my attention today. I, I saw a, a post on my phone about it that Toronto has suspended all public events until June 30th which yeah. means there's, at least for Toronto, if there was any hope that the NHL would resume before July, it doesn't look like it now, at least for, for Toronto in terms of that. But I you know, I, I can't see anywhere else going forward with, with anything like that uh, beforehand. So uh, July, maybe. I know they've looked into, um, I think we talked about the last show, in August or September, finish to the regular season, and in October, playoffs plus draft is what the, I guess the last ditch case is to try and get regular season games in and uh, in playoffs and then the the next year's season so the 2020 2021 season would begin in November and then run until whenever you know maybe they take out the one the one week mandatory break and they uh, they eliminate the break for all-star Dude, weekend or whatever just a bit but cancel you know. the season already as no, much as man, I, I hate to say it just cancel it already I, that's, I, why, that's, why would that no be bad, way. though? It's never going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's just it not going to happen. I think it could. I think That's insane. I, I just disappointed that the draft is getting moved back. I, I don't see the the point. I don't see why the draft gets affected by this. Like nobody has. You don't have to have a big spectacle for the draft. And I understand like there's seeding, so that that's why it gets pushed back. Like if there's hopes of a regular season or even playoffs, still they have to push the draft back. But, man, I, I wish at least that was still happening in June or July so we would have some content. But that means even free agency gets pushed back until after that as well. And, and teams, like, imagine a flurry of signings and, and what guys are going to get paid at the end of this year if free agency is, like, two-week period between the start okay. of the so end the of this year and the start of next year. is awesome. Like, I agree, the chaos is awesome. But, like... It's going to be nuts. These guys... I mean, how much have they been working out, staying in shape? Tra- they, I mean, that's so difficult with what the quarantine laws are. I guess I building a chicken coop, so I, yeah. <laughs> it's not doing too much. No, so you figure these guys are going to come back to the ice cold. I mean, the league wants to have like a short period for training camp, quote-unquote, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, then launch into some insane playoff format, which they haven't figured out yet. And, you know, different coaches, different players, different – everybody has something to say about those. We've talked a little bit about those on a past show, but – I don't really see it happening as much as it sucks to say that. I just, if, if, yeah. if we were going to have a chance at this, if they came out and said that, the, you know, we, this, you know, we bend the curve back in the correct direction for the virus, you know, we can start, you know, 
hosting events and getting things going for training camp on April 15th, on April 30th, then I could see it. But with Toronto banning events till June 30th, that just kind of gives you a picture of what the timeline is going to look like here in the next couple of weeks for the rest of the major cities. Unless something drastic changes. I just don't see it happening, unfortunately, man. It's it's crazy the way the world's been going with this. But uh, it would be a miracle for us to get sports, let alone our favorite sport, hockey, back on track. Well, like Fleury had mentioned um, that if they, even if they do come back, like they need some sort of warm-up time or at least a couple weeks to get ready and back yeah. into game shape, which makes sense. It, David it's true. The same so that you, yeah, you, you have to take that into into consideration of when you're going to come back like if they do run a late august september regular season and late september early october playoffs and then a draft and a free agency is all at the end of the month and then the new season begins in november like the chaos of that would be amazing like i would Mm -hmm. love that like you have the season that runs the playoffs and right when the playoffs end you've got probably the draft within a couple days of the playoffs ending You've got a million trades at that draft because you're literally a couple weeks or a month at most away from the start of the next year's season, which is new. And then you've got free agency, which will be like a two or a three week period where a, a bunch of different moves will happening. Like that will be probably the busiest two months of hockey in history if they were to do that in, you know, in, in October and late September yeah, but let's uh, start with trades and activity like, and everything like that. The league is pushing hard for this because they're, I, mean, I think the league overall, like some source was saying like over $100 million is at stake for the season to continue. But that's mm-hmm. not counting deals with, like I was reading on ESPN, deals with vendors, deals with other companies, corporate sponsors, all the stuff the individual teams have. Um, yeah. And you know the money the teams are losing it's a lot of cash. There's a lot at stake here, and it's and it's you know it's funny because we're talking about sports, and the rest of the world's you know hurting in the same aspect. But like talking about you know when it comes to hockey, that's the biggest push here for sports to get back on track is the amount of money that these owners and companies are going to be losing. It's not that they want to make this yeah. crazy fun chaos for everybody. They're just like we got to find a way to make our cash. And that's, that's why we see these like brief little oh we're gonna push it back April fifteenth we're gonna push it back you know two weeks then we're gonna push it back two more weeks and two more weeks you're never gonna see ah we're gonna leave it until June because they're always hoping that's like anything could change at any point right so they're all that's what they're hoping is you know if they just say okay two weeks two weeks two weeks two weeks hopefully at some point they can come back and play but I I don't think this is ever gonna get to a point um, maybe with this Toronto news it, they they end up pushing it back later than that but I don't think we're ever gonna get to a point where they're gonna say oh we're not playing until July or August like it's mm, just gonna be keeping no. two week pushbacks I think until they can f- finally actually make a concrete announcement that they're gonna bring the season back I agree man I don't think it's gonna be any time necessarily soon I mean like I said I hope it does I just don't I just don't mm-hmm. see it happening um, we finally got news though we got news from the Ducks. I mean, we expected this because yeah. we talked about it on the last podcast, which is kind of nice that it they saved it, that we can talk about it. Uh, well, I, for this. I, I talked to I talked to Bob Murray last week and let him know we were doing a show this week, so he Told said he would wait to announce. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a little bit drawn out, and obviously I'm sure most of you know what we're talking about. But the Ducks signed Trevor Zegers to his entry level contract. Um, I think it was almost three or four weeks after the Kings signed Alex Turcott. 
who you know but his season actually ended so they could sign in wisconsin was eliminated so i know zegris his situation was up in the air because boston university was supposed to play in the hockey's quarterfinals and then the entire tournament got canceled and i'm sure that throws a wrench into any contract discussions because they're waiting to see if if he can go back and play and he can't sign and then go back and play if their playoffs were to resume so i'm sure it was kind of waiting and making sure that you know everything for sure wasn't going forward with that tournament him talking with his family his agent making sure that this is the uh, the direction he wants to go i mean you know we we talked about how disappointing an end of a, of, of a season this is for a player who might never get to go back to college right like you make all these relationships with players and you kind of experience that college atmosphere and college hockey which a lot of especially american players grow up kind of aspiring to get to and you you kind of get that chance ripped out of your hand. So I, I you know I I was wondering if he was gonna for sure sign or not. And obviously that you know he he turns out he does sign and wants to go pro next year. But uh, a little bit of a I more mean, drawn out process. Well, Bob Murray said he wants the kid wants to go pro, right? That uh, yeah, Bobby's, he told us he wanted to go pro. Bobby's burrito breakfast. Yeah, he did too. So he he wants to go pro. The kid wants to play. So it's exciting news, man. And even better, we don't burn anything off this year. It starts next year. <laughs> yeah which is i mean which is a silver lining i guess right yeah um if, if the season still had been going on he depending on how far bu went he maybe would have got like the troy terry treatment where he played like two or three games and that was it and that you burn a, you burn a year off in elc for to appease the fans pretty much to just get him out there on the ice so you can see him play um which is it's almost better that it happens this way where his entry level contract and he signed it but it's it's a contract that begins next year right so for next season so it, it's it's almost better that case because now we get that one extra year of him on his entry level contract and if he becomes the player that we all hope he is that extra year is going to be helpful down the road in terms of you know what the ducks are going to have to pay him and how soon they're going to have to pay him and we got some of the contracts that are still on the books and that are going to be on the books. That extra year of kind of controllability and, and cost cost efficiency is going to be helpful for for the Ducks down the road. Uh, yeah, and it's going to make a lot of things really interesting in Anaheim because I mean I think he's he's going to be playing next year and and he had a great year this year in college, right? Thirty three points in thirty six games. That's nothing to uh, to not look at and be and be happy about when he's this young of a kid who was he's eighteen or nineteen years old. Yeah, he's, I think he just turned nineteen, yeah. so he was eighteen for most of the season and uh, was third, I think, in freshman scoring. Did better than Alex Turcotte. Did better than Cole Caulfield. So he was, you know, and these are Turcotte was drafted before him. Caulfield was ended up falling in the draft because of his size but you know everybody looked at the goal scoring that he had and, and thought that he could be a great player which he still could be but Zegris kind of got overshadowed a bit and, and then ends up having a better year than both of them and probably a, a bigger impact on his team than Turcotte and Caulfield did for Wisconsin so it was a great year for him. Like there, there's, you know, he was one of the best players on their team. He was centering the top line. He was a impact player for them. It's by no means the best freshman season ever. You look at, you know, Duck great Paul Correa and having 100 points in 39 games in college as a freshman, and yeah. what Jack Eichel did for BU when he was there and he won the Hobie Baker as a freshman. You know, it wasn't one of those types of seasons, but it was still great. It was still a good season. It, it, it showed that. He was, I don't want to say he was too good for college, but he was eventually going to be too good for college. I think if he went back next year, he probably would have been a Hobie Baker finalist. He would have been one of those guys that was sitting at the top of the the standings in terms of points, probably around the 60 or 70 mark. So mm -hmm. 
I always like to see a prospect dominate their league before they come over, but I think it's a bit different with, with Trevor Zegers and the way the league's trending now, where guys with that level of skill can, you know, no matter their size, can jump into the league and, and, and you know, play at a high level right off the bat. How do you feel about uh, this season, you know, when we, when we talked about his World Junior uh, Championship, right, when he had those nine assists and, and looked awesome, and he was even playing out of position. He was playing wing rather than center, and... For him to be to him to be that dominant and have to work his way up, we talked about this before. His, you know, the amount of ice time he was getting game by game, you know, trying to prove himself yeah. to a coaching staff and and uh, create that sort of respect because he was able to be a game changer playing just minuscule minutes, um, and then being able to perform like he did this season in college. Uh, I mean, I know you look at prospects a lot more. I'm not trying to say that you're a scout or whatever, but I mean, do you really feel like that bodes well? Like this is translating well for him to get um, to a starting role in Anaheim next year. I, I think that's the goal for him. I, I don't think he would want to go down to San Diego. I think, you know, you turn pro and you leave college, so your your goal is probably to jump right into the NHL. Um, I, I can't say confidently. I think he's ready to jump in there. I think the skill level, he's definitely ready. I think he's clearly, you know, you plug him in the lineup today, I think he's one of the, the most skilled players on this current Ducks roster, even just, you know, you plug him in there, and if the season was still going on and he was playing tonight against whoever the Ducks were playing, I think he'd be one of the most skilled players on the team. The problem is is he's like six foot, six foot one, 170 pounds, mm-hmm. and he's a skinny 170 pounds. You, you know, people have compared him to Elias Pettersson when Elias Pettersson came over from Sweden, where he was six <laughs> one, be Elias Pettersson, I'm 160, <laughs> which is fine. Like, I'll take that comparison. You know, the skill level and and the you know just the ability to make players miss, I think, is very similar between Pettersson and Trevor Zegers. I think they're they're different players in in the tool sets that they have, where Pettersson's a bit more of a goal scorer. Um, and, and Trevor Zegers is a bit more of a passer, but the creativity is is is, is pretty similar between the two of them. And uh, I, I think he can come in and make an impact. I, I just I wonder where the Ducks are going to put him because we talked about him before That's and in different prospects the Ducks have brought in. Yeah, there, there's a logjam at center where you've got Sam Steele, who the Ducks know they want to play at center. You've Gets got it. Adam Henrique. You've got Getzlaff next year. Yeah, you've got, you know, if Derek Grant comes back, you've got David Backus if he's still going to be there. You've got Isaac Lindstrom who's looking to come up. You've got Benoit Olivier Gru who will likely play with San Diego, but you've got him coming up, and he's a guy that is for sure a center. He was tops in the QMJHL and faceoff percentage for players who took over 1,000 draws. Like, he is a center, a definite center at the, the pro level when he gets there. Trevor Zegers, on the other hand, he's not bad face-off guy you know it could use work but he's been used at the wing before i believe he played center for bu so that he has that going for him but he has that ability to go to the wing and the ducks when you look at their center prospects in the past they've played them at center they Mm -hmm. haven't brought them in and played them at the wing they've only moved them to the wing when it hasn't gone well when you look at ricard raquel Raquel. they brought ricard raquel in they played him at center they overplayed him at center it clearly wasn't working they still kept trying to put him at center put him at center put him at center and then finally they said okay we're going to move you to the wing it's not working you look at sam Steele. he please played center probably 98 percent of his nhl games couple couple times they moved him to the wing um and i think that's only been two or three games throughout his career so far isaac lindstrom came uh, surprisingly made the ducks roster out of the draft being a late first round pick they played him at center Mm-hmm. Like they, they, if there's a center, the Ducks are going to 
play him at center if they think he's a center. So I that's my only question mark for next year. So what does the roster gonna... look like then? How do you how do you slot these guys in? Because if, I, I just do you think the Ducks even take a chance to put Zegers on the wing with Getz? They might they might have to because Getzlaff is playing center, Henrik's playing center, and Steele's playing center. But it, Bob it, Murray also said once he gets a player that's willing to pass Getzloff in leadership and pass Getzloff um, to want to step up and take his role, he said Getzloff's more than happy and, and very much um, right. Once but it's that's happened. not started next year. I don't that's think Zegers is going to be there. But you think maybe another center takes over that spot and, and Getzloff slides to to two C, and then we see. Um, I just can't imagine they put Zegers as a top line center. I think he's going to be down the oh, down I don't the think he's a top line center. He's I, not going to walk in and play that role. No, and I'm just trying to think of of how the Ducks fit him in at center because mm. you have three established centers right now where you've got Getzlaff, Henrik, and Steele. They will be playing center. They yeah. will be centers. I don't see like I know Henrik played wing uh, near the end of this year uh, a couple times. I know Steele, like I said, has played there two or three times. Getzlaff is for sure going to be at center. Um, and, and then if, if Isaac Lindstrom gets a chance, he's going to be at center. Trevor Zegers has that ability and, and has been utilized on the wing in the past. So the Ducks might have to go against the grain in terms of what they normally do with their center prospects and start him at the wing. They might just have to just to get him into the lineup. Um, you know, they can go the route of sending him down to San Diego. And I think, you know, rookie camp and training camp and preseason will will kind of have a, and we'll have an idea of what they're going to do with him, depending on how well he plays at those. And if he dominates those and kind of forces the Ducks hands to put him into the lineup, then I think they're going to have to play him at wing. I just can't see a scenario if the Ducks go in with Henry Getzlaff and Steele on the roster still. I can't see a scenario where. Trevor Zegras is playing center, and and they're not going to want to play him on the fourth line. So I just I can't see it. Uh, so that also kind of makes you wonder too if they don't just bump Henrik to wing and give, yeah. give Zegras a chance at center at some point. And that's I mean I think they that's could. a big ask. That's a big ask. I think I think he's going to start um, on wing for sure. Get his get his feet under him at the NHL level, and then work his way to being able to play the position he wants. I, I feel like that's just kind of like how Anaheim works, right? That's what you're going to have to earn, earn earn your spot there. At least that's what it was in the past. Maybe this time around they don't do that. But, I mean, are you really going to tell Adam Henrique he's going to play wing because this new kid's here? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, and I think he'd be willing to. I honestly think Adam Henrique would be willing to, to do that to give this kid a shot at center. And, and it, it might be for the first few games. That's what we see is Trevor Zegras is centering – whatever line, second or third line, probably third line. Considering Sonny and Adam, Milano and Adam Henrique. <laughs> whoever it is. And, and Adam Henrique Adam Henrique probably gets shifted to the wing. I could see that happening. I just I think if he struggles, then they try him at the wing. And then if there's struggles there, I, I still think there's a real shot. He spends a, a good amount of the season with San Diego, as much as I'd love to see him at the NHL level. It just all depends how he acclimates to the, to the NHL level. And, and I think probably – before the start of this year, I would have said, oh, he'll come in and be great. And and he'll be one of the best players on the Ducks team. And then you look at a similar player in Jack Hughes, who came right from the NTDP, didn't go to college, came into the NHL and struggled with New Jersey. Not a great team, but he struggled. And Capocacco was a, a guy who was supposed to be a little bit more NHL ready than Jack Hughes was because he was playing against men in Sweden, but a bit of a smaller guy. Um, he's only, I think, six one, and and came in needing to put on strength, needing to put on muscle, and he struggled with the Rangers. And the Rangers gave him every opportunity to to take control of a top-six role, and he didn't. So it, it's tough for me to say Zegers is going to come in 
and just be dominant. And, and he's going to easily take over a top six role and he's going to put up 50 to 60 points in his rookie season. Like it, it, it doesn't happen all the time. And, and, you know, similar players, I think in his build and his stature who've come into the league, like Nathan McKinnon is a bit of a taller guy, but he was a very lanky kid when he came in and in number one overall pick, he put up, he put up only 60 points in his rookie right. season, which is a great rookie season, but he only put up 60 points. And so now if we you're going to talk think... about him being one of the top three players in the league. Right, exactly, and and you know Elias Patterson played a few years in Sweden before he came over. Um, I think he played one or two seasons in the in the Swedish Hockey League before he came over, and and look at his first season with uh, Vancouver Canucks. I believe he finished around sixty points. So, a good rookie season for Trevor Zegers would be to just stick around at the NHL level and put up you know thirty to forty, maybe fifty points on a very good year. Like that is a good year for Trevor Zegris over 30 you can't no, let's let's hope this guy is gonna get us 50 to 60 points let's do that let's I let's hope, hope so. that's what happens I, I he has the creativity <laughs> and the skill to definitely do so yeah it he just needs finishers on this team and my god yeah. this team doesn't have them so well yeah and and I think going to college it would definitely help him I and mean, in no way he was gonna jump right out of the draft no and and jump onto this team and do well. I think going to college is definitely going to help with that. And then a a full summer of just kind of strength training and and building up what he thinks he needs to work on to, to be successful at the NHL level. Um, Again, I have no doubt his skill level will take him places in the NHL, even in his first year. You you just have to see how he transitions. Like every player transitions differently and and acclimates to the NHL at a different time uh, and in a different speed. So we'll have to see how he does. I I have no, I have no doubts though in the next couple of years, he'll easily be the best player in the ducks. Like he just has that type of talent and, and the knack and ability to make the right play, which can sometimes be an extremely difficult and creative play. He just oh, ha- well, he has he that rare ability to do that. <laughs> yeah, he, he clearly loves those. So he has that ability to get that done. Well, let's talk about the other two guys real quick that got signed also, right? Uh, Bedini and Hunter Drew also signed. Depth guys, but uh, Ducks also made some news there. Yeah, Bedini's been a bit of a disappointing one. I think he'll – well, I don't – think i know he'll be in san diego next year at least maybe if he doesn't impress there then he'll he'll go down uh, to the echl but I, I would think the ducks would give him a chance with san diego um the disappointing thing about jack Bettini is had an okay freshman season followed that up with a slight slight improvement in the sophomore year and then this year was his worst year of his college career he only put up 14 points in 31 games which when you look at a, a trend in, in progression for a prospect in your third year of college, you should be doing a lot better than your freshman year and, and better than your sophomore year because you're, you know, you're starting to, you know, you look at the, the trend of any players in the CHL too, like overagers will put up 50 goals in, in the CHL, the WHO, OHL, whatever. The Ducks signed one, Giovanni Fiore put up 50 goals in the QMJHL, but he was an overager. Like eventually you just get to a point where you're so much older than these guys, you're, you just dominate. You're just a good player for that league. That's usually the trend you would hope that goes for guys in college where they just get better and better as they get older because they've been there, they're getting used to it, whatever. So it is a bit kind of concerning that Jack Bedini didn't have a great year this year uh, on a Hartford team that had some pretty good players. So I, I, I don't know what he's going to turn into. I don't know if he's going to ever make the NHL with the Ducks, but I know he'll get a good shot to at least prove himself in, in San Diego and then I think I got to give him the benefit of the doubt and see how he does there. And I think the same goes for Hunter Drew, a little bit different because he spent most of the year with San Diego. So he he actually looked pretty impressive there. And I liked, I think we, we both or all of us remember how he did in uh, in the preseason where he looked pretty impressive there. So he could be one of those guys that gets a shot next year. 
the Ducks don't have a ton of right-handed defensemen, and uh, he could be one of those guys that maybe not to start the season, but at some point if injuries arise like they always do for the Ducks, mm. he could be one of those guys that comes up and, and gets a shot and gets a chance to play. So I'm a little bit more intrigued by what he could bring because he was he's a bit more of a project, and I think he's kind of improved season after season, which is what you like to see from a prospect. So I'm hoping he gets a shot next year. What do you think would be your Ducks Mount Rushmore if you had to pick your all-time four best players? Saw this going around. We talked about this a bit in our, in our chat too, but uh, yeah, it, it is. Uh, I, I think there's there's two that I think everybody would have on their list. And I think from there, or maybe three. Hampus Lindholm, uh, definitely Hampus two. Lindholm, Hampus Lindholm, and Paul Korea. That's your list. Those my that's, four. That's yeah. your list. Yeah. That's my list. Uh, but Paul Korea and Timo Solani are on everybody's list. There's no question about it. Like well, the they should aren't. be. Jesus. Yeah, the Ducks aren't the Montreal Canadiens. They're not a, a team that's you know over 100 years old where you have to go down the list and, and pick some of these guys from different eras and and make a case for them. Um, there, there's two standout players on this team uh, in in their history where clearly and and both their names are in in, in the rafters, so it makes it a little bit easier to pick them. But yeah, I think Paul Korea and, and Tamus Lanier are in everybody's list, and then you know Ryan Getzlaff, I think for me is a shoe in as being a third. Mm. Um, Maybe some people would argue with that, but for me, I think there's no argument. I think it, it definitely has to be uh, Tamu, Paul, and Getz. And then from there, the number four spot is where where all the arguments can happen. Um, <sighs> a lot of people saying Scotty because yeah. his number retired, and Jiggy's been thrown out there, which I think is 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 for good reason. Um, you know, Perry uh, has been thrown out there as well. No. But I, I'm. It, it's not out of the question, right? Like, it's not the worst name you could put up there. It's not, no, it's not like we're talking about Pavel Trinka or Dave Karpa when we're talking about Perry. But Perry's not at that, he's not at that peak, like, he, he's, not, he's not at that peak where the rest of the guys are. I think he's that second echelon. What hurts him the yeah, most yeah, is I think, he's a, I think he's if a you winger. Just look at, he's a winger that doesn't have insane numbers, right? It, it depends on what you contribute, like, a how you're judging this is it contributions to the team in a short short period of time is it uh you know like for scotty's case there for a few seasons captain to a stanley cup and, and his contribution when he was there was immense is it jiggy with his you know again backstopping the team to a stanley cup almost did it in 03 as well and but over a long run like career stats weren't spectacular with the ducks or you're looking at Corey Perry, who just longevity, how long he was with the team and, and how long he was effective for the team. And, you know, you look at you know, the, the amount of points he has in franchise history. He's, I believe, second. I think he passed Tamu. I'd have to double check that. Mm -hmm. But even in games played, he's, he's second to Ryan Getzlaff. So you take that into it. It depends on how you're judging it, right? I think depending on how you judge it, Jiggy, Scotty, and, and Perry, I think, are three guys you could you could kind of put in and out for that last spot. I'm I don't think there's anybody else. Like, you know, I don't think anybody's gonna argue that Prager should be there. No, you can't you can't put Prongs you know, there. Maybe he wasn't Steve here long Ruchin, enough. You could argue Ruchin, maybe but like who who he else are you? Like, first, other than those that first six, wave of, of Mighty Ducks, right? And that, that was Ruch. Um there's not many you could put in that fourth spot. You're right. I mean, I'm with you on the There's first like six three. guys, I think, that you could have um, up for four spots. I, I really don't. I mean, down the road, maybe John Gibson gets in there, but it, we're, we're still well away from, from that being 
uh, a discussion, I think. So well, other than yeah, you know, he's he's got a little bit yeah. more to prove on the ice for sure, and he's got to be given the team like the rest of these guys we're talking about have been given. Like, I mean, Paul didn't have a team behind him for a long time. Um, he yeah. definitely carried the load for this team the majority of his career in Anaheim uh, with Solani. Um, but then Solani was able to, to play long enough with the Ducks to where he was given a team to win, and they did win. And, you know, he was kind of like that guy that's always been around. I think that team who is probably the most important Duck in Ducks history, right? I, I feel like he yeah. is. He's scored, well, if not the biggest, one of the biggest goals in Ducks history against Dominic Hasek and overtime against the Red Wings in the Western Conference Finals. Um, that one everyone knows. Um, if the Ducks would have won a cup in 03, then you, I mean, I, I, I would say he and Paul or he and, yeah, Timu and Paul are, uh, are equal, but I would, I would, you know, even though Paul's my favorite player, I mean, I think Timu is the most yeah. important duck. No, yeah, you, you have to, and, and, and you're splitting hairs there too. Like they both were important well, to the team and, and the Ducks, back it up, so. yeah, and, and the Ducks came within one game of Paul essentially dragging that team to a Stanley cup, right? Like mm. it's, he, I think he did enough. In, in throughout the, that 03 playoffs to get them there, and it just didn't happen. It would either go up against a, a you know one of the all-time great teams and the 03 New Jersey Devils, and it, it's tough to get there. But there's no question that you know yes, Tamu definitely I think is is probably the top of everybody's list. Paul's right behind that. I think Getzlaff is is right behind them, and and of course if Getz if Getz had have led the Ducks to a Stanley Cup as captain, when you look at you know how close they got to make the Stanley Cup Finals with with some of their losses to Chicago and Nashville, I think he gets up in that discussion, right? Like if he if he had have led them to a Stanley Cup, you know one of one of those years where they went out in the Western Conference Final, he becomes I think he gets in that discussion with Tamo and Paul, like where he becoming the the all time greatest Duck. Not to say he he might even get in that discussion eventually anyway, just because of what he's done for this team. But I think you if you drag the Ducks to a Stanley Cup back uh, in in one of those runs, I, I think he easily gets he gets put in that discussion when you're talking about the greatest Duck of all time. Mm, very interesting. You don't think so? Not that I don't think so. Um, so we agree on the three, though. Yeah, yeah. It it's Gats, Tamo, and Paul. And then I think from there, if you're picking the fourth guy, I can really only think of three guys who could deserve that spot, and it's Jiggy, Scotty, and Perry. Oh man, I know. I don't know about pairs. Um, other than that, like other than those three guys, is there anybody else you you could argue for that fourth spot? I would love like, to see I, some I, of like the the people on lines arguments for other players rather than those three. I agree. My initial when I first thought of it right off the hop, without putting any thought into it whatsoever, I was like. Oh, easy. Paul, Timu, Getz, and Scott Niedermeyer. That, to me, yeah. that's... The, that's And I know Scotty doesn't have the tenure. I mean, he was here a long time. He captained this team for a long time. Um, him coming here, I mean, him scoring that another pivotal goal in uh, the Western Conference Final. I mean, he's he's been on that... He's just been on a... He was on a dominant team, but he was a huge reason why that team was dominant and super competitive. So... That's my four. If you want to make it easy it. too, like I, 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 and that's the for those were the four guys I thought of when I first got it. I, I made an argument for Perry. I made an argument for 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 well, Paris is your favorite player, so yeah. But and but I still think that there's definitely. I'm not the only one out there. I think that's that's saying Perry should be on there. But I, I think when you look at if you want to make an easy argument of this, uh, once Getzlaff retires, I think he'll probably be the fourth number that gets raised to the rafters. There's your four. It's Scotty. 
Paul, Tamu, and Getz. Like that. Yeah. I think that just makes sense to have those those four guys, and you, know, you can you can simple it, boil it down and make it as simple as the four guys who have their names in the rafters. But if it is those four guys, I think it makes sense. Yeah, I think it ha- I think it has to be. I would love anybody listening, write us, let us know what you think your four your four top docs of all time are. I'd love to see people pick players other than we picked, right? I mean, I grew up in a different era than a lot of the younger generation of Ducks fans. I guess you could say. I mean, I started watching when they were like ninety four, ninety five, right? Uh, or maybe 95, 96 is when I first started getting, getting into hockey. That's when I discovered the Ducks through Jason. But, um, but yeah, I would love to hear everyone else's thoughts on those two, especially if they pick somebody other than Getzloff and they pick somebody other than, ne- than, than Niedermeyer. Or, I mean, shoot, if they pick somebody other than Timo, I think you're crazy. I, I'm just going to Yeah, if, if you don't away. have Timo and Paul in there, then, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I can understand. Like, if you wanted to go – if you were, like, an old-school fan, you wanted to go Tamo, Paul, Jiggy, Scotty, like, I will – I'll put up a stink about it, the fact that you don't have Getz in there, but you have Tamo and Paul in there. Like those are you have to have Solani and Korea in there, or it's the list is bogus. Like you 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 have to have those two in there. No, I agree hundred percent, man. All right, dude. Let's get to what the future of our uh um our podcast looks like here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, well last time the last show we had was me and Keith. Who if you didn't uh, listen to that show, Keith has been brought in as part of our team he's listed as our emergency backup host but he, he's still fully part of the team as is one of our well, another host of our podcast so we had chatted a bit about ideas and and i'd brought up uh, the idea that you first had mentioned a few shows ago uh, about going through the ducks 2007 cup run uh, in kind of in, in some format, whether it's uh, post game style or, or something like that, in, in terms of how we're going to go through this, I know you had kind of a unique format uh, that you wanted to go through to, to run through these games. Yeah, so originally I thought it'd be cool to go through the entire playoffs, and then I realized that almost all those games are unavailable in their in their long version. You can only really find like highlights. But if you have the extra cash, if you're working, um, obviously a lot of people are not working right now. But uh, I would highly recommend going out and getting this box set. It's pretty awesome. Um, it's not in HD, <laughs> I don't think. It was not in 4K, yeah, I doubt it. sure. <laughs> but uh, it came out right after the Ducks won the Cup, obviously. But it has every game, um, no commercials, obviously, but from the Western Conference Final against the Red Wings all the way through um, Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final against the Ottawa Senators where the Ducks won the Cup. Um, it's it's cool watch. And my idea was, uh, I put it out on Twitter a little bit ago, but... Starting with game one of the Ducks at the Wings, um, it would be May 11th. Um, I would like to do this, and I got this idea from Jimmy, a friend of the show, that he said he said he's going to go watch these games on the days they happened, just to kind of relive, because he's at home working from home, and it's like no hockey, nothing on, he's going to do that. I'm like, that's a great idea um, to add that kind of element to us. So if we were able to watch these games, I mean, Ed and Janie to pick this up, and Keith, but um, we got some time to do that now. But if we watch those games and then do a post-game style show at the end of it, I mean, we all know the ending. It's, it's not like we're going to be, like, blown away by stats. And all, but just to talk about the games and kind of relive um, the feeling and the emotion of the Ducks winning in 2007, I think it would be fun. So um, it's about 11 That's games. May 11th? We'll May start? 11th will be the first game, yeah. All right. Well, we've got a month then of, of podcasts. Oh, to other content coming that. in between. But yes, that's, yeah, that's the idea sure. to get us through May and part of June, uh, unless the season somehow miraculously resumes. So that's kind of was like I a would fun love idea. to 
try and and watch those games live on through streaming through our Twitch, but I just I have no idea. Ooh, we might get in trouble for that. We could try. We I, yeah, you that. never know. That's the problem. Like I I doubt the NHL is going to get upset with you airing a you know over a decade old game on on Twitch. I I doubt it, but then I, you never know what the how the Ducks are going to feel about that uh, as well. We'll look into that. I would like to do that. Obviously, you know, no matter what, we're going to do the post-game content for it. But I think it would, would be really cool for anybody who can't watch these games over again as well to to kind of find some way to see it. Uh, we'll have to see. I, I, definitely, we can't just stream it no. and not have our faces on it talking because then that's pure 100% copyright of just playing <laughs> their oh, yeah. their content over, over Twitch. But if if there's some way where we could kind of I don't want to say provide commentary during it, but just kind of comments while watching the game, uh, just kind of hanging out with you guys and then rewatching the Ducks 07 Cup run. We'll see if we can do that. We have to kind of look into the logistics of that. No, I agree, man. And if you guys are waiting for hockey, there's hockey on tonight, on the 1st, on the 3rd, on the 8th, and the 10th on Prime Ticket. Uh, the Ducks are basically showing their games from this season that were great. So Because... That's what I want to watch is yeah. replays of this duck season. <laughs> At least they're winning games, right? Like tonight is you know the what? win, the overtime win against Carolina. Tomorrow is the two-one victory over Toronto. So definitely some good, fun games. But yeah, if you're if you're itching for this hockey, is... the Ducks have a few more games for you the rest of this uh, rest of this month. Obviously, just today and then the beginning of April, they're going to broadcast some on Prime Ticket. This is a thousand times better though than uh, the Ducks included. Every team who's streaming their current games for, for this season on Twitch uh, from NHL 20, like this is a thousand times better than that. I really don't know anybody who's watching that. Like I, that's such a weird I couldn't thing, watch dude. That. I couldn't watch. Like I, I get what games. they're doing, and I yeah. understand they have to stay relevant in this content and whatever. Like I understand the whole process of it, um, and like I just I can't watch two computer players play each other. <laughs> on NHL 20 of what the Ducks game was supposed to be and then like the EA Sports is tweeting out like the stuff scores for each game after like it just it makes me miss hockey even more and therefore I hate it like it's just because I'm never going to watch these two computer players on NHL no. go at each other <laughs> and play I'm not going to watch that either <laughs> but so I, I, I can't get uh, on the Ducks for replaying games from this season too much because that's even worse but I would rather, like, why are they not playing games from the 07 Cup run? Like, do they just not have access to the tapes or something? Have, like, No, they have to. They, they, have, to get, they have to have copyright. That's what I would be playing. League. Like, would you not? I would. Well, what I would play first before I play games from this year is I'd play mm. the 0-3 run, every single game from the 0-3 run. Then I'd play every single game from the 0-7 run. You've got how many games? It's over 40, 50 games of, of content right there. It's over 40 to 50 days of content right there. You've got two months worth. Yeah. That you can just put out. And then I, why would I want to watch the Ducks 2-1 win over Toronto this year in a season where it was <laughs> meaningless for the Ducks, where they probably looked awful in that game, where they won 2-1 anyway. They did not look great in that game. Yeah, that was uh, a giddy yeah, game. I don't know. Yeah, but whatever. They're, they're not so, going to do that. So we'll do it. Yeah. Well, everyone stay tuned. We'll be back with another show. I know we didn't fill an hour today, but uh, content's kind of slim. But we wanted to make sure we stayed in touch with you all uh, during this tough time in everyone's life. But uh, it's still fun to talk hockey and uh, have you guys listen. So any feedback would be great. Um, but, yeah, stay tuned for those games in May. And I'm sure we'll do more games here in April once I get set up at my new place. But uh, that's it for us today. Thanks for tuning in, guys. All right. See you guys soon.